Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic expert interview. My name's Ollie. And I'm Liam. As our listeners will know, we learn all about NFTs and we needed to find ourselves a topic expert, didn't we, Liam? Yeah, we did. Um, And we managed to get or secure an interview with the CEO of a crypto project called Yummy Crypto. So this project have their own NFTs, they have their own educational content. You can find them on Instagram at Yummy Crypto Official. But this guy we interviewed is most certainly an expert in comparison to us. So this is a really interesting interview, a really educational one for us and probably everybody else. So hope you enjoy this interview with Joe Foote. Joe, thank you so much for joining the Two Guys, One Topic podcast. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's a real pleasure to have you. We're looking forward to discussing NFTs with you. As our listeners will know, we had a topic a couple of weeks ago all about NFTs, and Joe is our topic expert. And what we always like to do, Joe, is just understand a little bit more about our topic expert who we're talking to and It'd be great to start with, like, how did you get into this this area of expertise in the first place? So the area of cryptocurrency in general, uh, cryptocurrency Bitcoin uh, started when I was in graduate school. So my background is in engineering, and I was doing a PhD in engineering when Bitcoin was originally introduced back in around 2010. And being, you know, online doing the things that you do with grad school that you always have a lot of, a lot of time to figure out things and you have a lot of time for yourself as well. Yeah. And I noticed that the topic of Bitcoin kept popping up in various forums, uh, you know, things like the whole digital online gaming communities were also getting pretty much started back then. You know, League of Legends was kind of getting started a little bit after that. And people would talk about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and so I became a little bit interested in that topic and found the original Bitcoin Talk forums, which is where Satoshi you know, first introduced a lot of technology and a lot of the excitement around it. Yes. And pretty soon I just became just like submerged in that world of crypto because I understood that this kind of solved some of the issues that are present even in today's internet, which is the issue of centralized trust of how you operate a system in which there's no central managing community or central managing entity, but rather there's just this mechanism that works autonomously and somehow everybody agrees with it. Someone, Everybody trusts the system to be fair, to be impartial, and to do its things. And in the meantime, I was in the field and I ended up even mining Bitcoin. I had several Bitcoin in my graduate school computers because I was doing a lot of modeling. So I had video cards and I can do some mining. I had over the hundred Bitcoins, which I sold for about 60 bucks each. And at the time I thought that that was all the money in the world. Yes. And thought that that was interesting. I told myself I would hold for 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. But $6,000 back then was a lot of money. So I decided to sell and call it a day. And in the meantime, I kind of, you know, stopped focusing on it, graduated, got a job. And a couple of years afterwards, I revisited and saw that Bitcoin was over $200 or $300. And I remember thinking, damn, this is really happening. So that renewed my interest and I dove back into the field 
and then Ethereum came along, and I've just been a big component of it, you know, for all these years. And recently, that's pretty much all I do is being involved in cryptocurrency and also with the Yummy Project, which is I'm the CEO of it, and which we have a great community and could easily do a podcast on it as well. And then it's just been a huge component of my life. And I think cryptocurrency under many aspects, not just technical, but also society and even philosophical, I think it's here to stay. I think it's going to change society in many, many ways mm-hmm. that we already know it's going to change, but even more ways that we're not even envisioning yet. And uh, I am pretty sure that this is very similar to the internet of in the 90s. I mean, nice. it's the same sentiment. I think it's going to be a huge thing. Yeah. No, I like that. It must be gutting seeing the price of blockchain now. Um, a Bitcoin now, though, having sold them yeah, for $60. Yeah, I mean, you have sentiment. Like, so I was I was there when the first transaction of the pizza happened, when okay. someone posted saying, look, I just want to spend Bitcoin to buy something. That's kind of how it started. Everybody getting excited until I forgot the guy's name, but it was the New York guy that said, hey, you know, I own a pizza shop. I'll sell you pizza for Bitcoin. Yes. And that's kind of how the whole thing got started. So there's a lot of that like excitement from back then that, you know, people thought that it might reach, you know, a couple dollars, something like that. But then eventually became just this insane. It, it's hard to describe. Like, and now honestly, I think that Bitcoin is going to continue to push it in value to essentially past 100,000, 200. It's going to be a mainstay thing of our society. It will, it will exist for 50 years probably and in some shape when the people talk about quantum computers breaking crypto, but then they forget that you can just reintroduce the chain with quantum resistant mechanical, like quantum resistant algorithms and that will carry it over. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to stay here for quite some time. And I think that the ultimate flex in 20 or 30 years is you saying that you own a full Bitcoin. It's going to okay. be something that people will be like, wow, that's uh, pretty impressive. And it's getting harder every day. It's yeah. Every day it's harder to own one full Bitcoin. Yeah. We did cryptocurrency as a, as a topic about a year ago. So anyone listening who just wants to get into cryptocurrency and the history and that story about the world's most expensive pizza by someone called Laszlo ended up buying a pizza that cost them the equivalent of $500 million. You can go back and listen to that. But today, <laughs> Joe, if we can get into, into NFTs and just pick your brains a little Absolutely, bit more yeah. about, you know, even more forward thinking on, on NFTs. So an obvious place maybe for us to start is, so what, what would you say an NFT is? How would you describe it? And that's a very good question. So. The best thing to describe an NFT is by starting to say what it isn't. So if you put in the aspect of cryptocurrency or uh, the equivalent would be dollars or any other thing, like $1 from you is the same thing as $1 from me or $1 from anybody else, right? They're fungible in the sense they're freely exchangeable. If I have $10, they their properties add up. So like... $10 is the same as 10 individual dollars. So that's what we would call fungible. That's what you would call something that is freely exchangeable. A non-fungible token, which is an NFT, is the exact opposite, which is it's unique. So even if you have something like a collection of a thousand paintings, right? Each painting is different. If they're all original work done by some artist, each individual painting is different. 
And they can have very different properties, like the size, the cost, the type of materials that was used. Yet you would classify them all as a painting, as a collection of paintings. Yet each one of them has individual traits. And with that comes all kinds of interesting applications. So you create you know, a set of NFTs that represents membership in your podcast, for example. You could say, yes. hey, whoever holds this NFT can call anytime during our podcast and say whatever they want. Let's introduce that as some sort of funny feature that you guys would add to anybody okay. who holds an NFT. And you could very, not super easily, but you could create a web interface that will verify that this person indeed owns an NFT, checks the wallet, does the connection, and the guy will pop up in the middle of the, NFT, of the podcast and say, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> and you'll be like, yeah, this is indeed the whole of, of our NFT. And let's assume that after several years of being positively entertained, he decided he no longer wanted to have this NFT, and he simply decided to sell it to someone else. Now he has lost that privilege and the other person has the privilege to do whatever it is in the podcast because they have ownership of that token. Okay. So when, and then the token can have very, like a lot of different properties. So it can have a picture associated with it, which is why a lot of NFTs will have a JPEG or something like that. You know, the NFTs can be visually represented if they have an image attached to them. Or they can have some sort of clip, like a 3D clip of some sort, or some sort of even a screenshot. Um, and they can also have, for example, how it's very common now, where people make collections and saying, we're going to make 10,000 apes, and each ape is going to have a different hat, different glasses, different yeah. mustache, different whatever. And each one of them has unique, but each one of them has those unique features that describe them saying ape 1,897 has a black hat, has a blonde mustache and green eyes, something of the sort and that classifies each one of them individually. Now, this at this stage, the reason why NFTs are such a controversial topic slash like what the hell is going on thing is mm. more than just uh, it's actually a clash between generations. And what's happening now okay. is um, the digital identity that people have is something that varies across generations. So for example, for an 18-year-old kid, the notion that something digital has value is a very easily accepted reality to him. Yeah. Actually, in some ways, he will probably argue that his digital identity is worth more than his physical. Like a lot of kids would prefer to lose their driver license or social security card than losing their phone, for example, like by a huge percentage. Yeah. yeah. Because, or if, for example, the people who are in their 30s to 40s also get that concept to a less degree, but they also understand the concept that digital has value. And the reason you know this is you say to people, well, if digital, digital doesn't have any value, then go ahead and delete your Facebook account. Go ahead and delete yeah. your Instagram account. Yeah, yeah, if it yeah. has no value, then why not doing it? And for the older generation, for them, truly has no value because they're like, I don't care about my Facebook account, or at least the vast majority of them will, won't or won't even have one, but they'll keep their social security card or their, you know, passport or whatever locked 
in a safe somewhere and they make sure they don't lose anything that has to do with their physical identity. Yeah, that's a really good point about generational and generations accepting digital more. So I, I suppose for like under 18s, more so like Minecraft or buying skins. Yeah, Fortnite 100%. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, you, well, people want to get followers and likes, don't they, on their, their pictures and their social media. So I can well imagine people would rather lose, like you said, lose their, their driving license than lose all of their followers online well and and the social is just one prong of the discussion like if someone spends uh 20 or 30 days constructing a castle on minecraft that can be visited by other people can we actually argue that that has no value whatsoever of course it does it has the personal labor and the artistic aspect of it that someone spent a month building this something that is literally lines of code and exists nowhere except in some server somewhere and nobody will ever visit it physically. So the NFTs is just another branch into the expansion of the digital identity aspect. And the reason why they're going to become so powerful and so prevalent is because unlike many other aspects, there's no central entity managing the maintenance of those NFTs and the impact that they have. So if you create an NFT that says, you know, Let's say you build a building somewhere and you make an apartment in that building, okay? Like you're the developer, you create an apartment and you set up a lock in that apartment that says only the holder of NFT 2222 can enter this apartment. And the key is checked by using a digital signature in the lock. There's no other way. And they could easily set that up in a way that there's no way around it, that truly only that person can access that resource and the developer can die, the company can go bankrupt, and yet only the holder of that NFT will be able to access that resource. That is the difference. The difference is that the resource that's being provided to you, or whether it's some sort of tangible benefit from the blockchain or some sort of other access, will exist even if the entity that gave you that access no longer exists. Now, it could be a service that the entity itself was providing, if it was like meals at a restaurant or something. So if they go bankrupt, of course, they can't do anything. But if they were giving you access to digital assets or something that it's from another company, not theirs, that bridge of confidence is always going to exist as long as the blockchain exists. This is the difference. The difference is... You and I could make a contract that says, if this happens, I do this for you or you do this for me. And the contract gets executed, even if no entity is supervising it. It just happens. And that is the fundamental difference of NFTs. NFTs provide the next layer of, you know, while traditional cryptocurrency says, I can have 10 Bitcoins, 20 Bitcoins, 30 Bitcoins. NFTs are kind of a way of saying, well, if you have 10 Bitcoins, then this happens. Like you can have access to this. If you have yeah, 20, you can have yep. access to this. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It, something that just I, I just can't get my head around. Like, where does the value of an NFT come from? We were about these crypto punks that you sort of mentioned earlier for $20 million. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like mm-hmm. what what's the value in, in owning that and paying that much money for them? No, it's, it's a very good point. Like, 
uh, I would argue that many digital assets and certainly many different types of NFTs are a little bit in the bubble valuation-wise. I will argue the same thing for some artwork as well. And CryptoPunks is a unique example because it was literally the first. Like it was the first genuine collection of its kind that gained mainstream approval, not mainstream, but gained like, you know, enough people looking at it. Yeah. So it became, remember, there's only X amount of these things and they will never be the same again. Like these are unique. So if you knew that Picasso was about to initiate the Cubist movement and create a style that will be replicated by other artists and change art as we know it. And he was selling 100 paintings in the beginning and he was literally the first. How much will those paintings be worth? Obviously, someone paying $1,000 back then will probably call it a nut job. But (laughs) several years down the road, not. And I agree that 20 million is a bit much. I agree that 20 million is probably too much. But on some actual pieces of history, if NFTs take as people think it will be, is it 10,000 unreasonable, 20,000 unreasonable? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not recommending anybody to go and buy NFTs, but yeah. I also understand where the value proposition comes from. Now, these are purely for collectible purposes. Like people are buying these things because a lot of people made a lot of money with cryptocurrency. And all of a sudden, maybe for some of them, 20 million is no longer a huge hassle. People are doing this for the collectible aspect of it. But a lot of NFTs will have actual functionality attached to them. And this is what companies will start using. And they'll be used as a membership basis, as like, I could see Ferrari issuing NFTs and saying, if you hold this NFT number, no costs, let's say $100,000, but you will be invited for test driving every new Ferrari that we produce. Yeah, okay. You're privately invited to the track to test drive it before anybody else. Like something like that. Obviously they won't do it, but I'm just, these are the type of functionalities that could be introduced. That's interesting about how they could actually have some utility rather than being as they are at the moment, more a collector's item. And we were were reading about bragging rights and just being able to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I own this board ape or i own this um crypto punk just just because you can almost but no, that's that's interesting to think about those different utilities that they might have so we were wondering between liam and i about if we could create some nfts and yeah you know, put, put them out there is it how how easy do you think that it might be if somebody wanted to then start creating their own nft um collection or Uh, So the technical aspects of it are actually uh, straightforward if you have a developer or someone who understands how the process goes. The biggest single issue of the field in crypto and NFT is actually the trust element. So if you have someone creating an NFT collection for you guys, it will be important that you maintain control over the collection at various stages of the development. Like essentially when the contract exists, and it's out there on the blockchain, you want to make sure that your own individual wallet has ownership of the contract so that you don't suffer what the industry calls rug pulls and such, which is people essentially stealing assets or your money from you. That comes from the sales of those NFTs. Now, if you want to do free NFTs, and if you want to just distribute to your listeners, for example, yeah, you could easily do that. And you say, hey, all you have to do is come on our Twitter, follow us, and come on our Instagram, follow us, and you get a free NFT from us. 
And let's assume that you guys keep doing the amazing work you're doing. And two or three years down the road, you have 20 million listeners and you listen and, you know, a hundred countries around the world and you're very well renowned. I would argue that those NFTs will have some value, right? I would argue that those a thousand NFTs you guys made that were given for free now actually have commercial value. Even if no utility, they have commercial value in the sense of like, I knew these guys were going to be huge before anybody else knew it. And here's my NFT to prove that I'm like one of the original. And it would even be probably a conversation topic with you guys. If someone called your show and said, hey, guys, I have one of your first 1,000 NFTs and you yes. guys now have 20 million. It's like, oh, damn, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, it would, be, it would be an interesting interaction to be yeah, had. But definitely. 100%, you guys could create something. Then the question is, do you offer it for free? Do you offer it after some tasks are done? Like, you know... Do you offer it for some monetary value? Those are the questions that everybody in the field asks again, again, and again, is what are we trying to achieve here? And, you know, yeah. and the engagement with the community, with their followers, et cetera. Understood. How would I go about buying some NFTs? Like the other way around. So obviously I'd need some cryptocurrency. We read, is it typically Ethereum? Um, mm-hmm. Is there like a, like a website or a marketplace, sort of like eBay, where I can just go on and, browse nfts well, or, or you, you yeah. can certainly you can certainly buy them on ebay although i wouldn't recommend buying cryptocurrency on ebay because you can get swindled very easily but there are <laughs> many websites that uh, are called centralized exchanges and they have various contracts with you know a variety of countries binance is probably the biggest one there's other ones coinbase kraken bitfinex i mean all those names will probably sound familiar and you essentially go there and you create an account like you would with any other place and there will be an option to link your bank account or credit card and whatnot. And you can buy a cryptocurrency. Now, you can buy probably on those platforms, Bitcoin and Ethereum very, very easily. And they would even store the currency for you in your account with them in, the, in their website. But then you can transfer that cryptocurrency from their site into your own individual wallet. Now, there's a lot of software that creates wallets for you. Uh, the most common one is probably MetaMask, but there's other ones like Trust Wallet and a few other ones. And what it does is it creates a wallet for you. And if you cover this in, you know, in the podcast about cryptocurrency, that address is essentially unique to you. Like it's an address that it only belongs to you. And as long as you have a seed phrase or the secret key for that address, a combination of addresses, you're the only person who can access it. And once you have in those wallets, you can then interact with a variety, I mean, literally hundreds of different sites of various sizes and shapes where you can exchange that cryptocurrency for another one, for another token. And you can exchange for another mainstream one like Bitcoin or Binance or Cardano or other currencies that exist. Or you can exchange with a microcap that nobody heard about and you just you know, buying that one just for giggles or maybe because you think it's going to be the next big thing. Okay. And essentially, that's how you go. So to answer your question, you can go to somewhere like Binance or Kraken, create an account, link, you know, the details of your bank account and such and immediately buy Bitcoin with you and then hold that if that's what you want to do. We we were kept on within our research seeing all of these really positive stories about people who are crypto punks I think the mm-hmm. first 9,000 or 10,000 were given away. 
people were getting bored apes very cheap. There was even the story about Beeple selling his collection of about 5,000 yeah. pictures for $69 million. But we were trying to say that you just need to be careful that it's not always a sound investment, is it? There, there must be... There must be... And at this, stage, at this stage, I would even be very careful calling them investments in the sense okay. of like... Uh, obviously, a lot of the people speculation. work this, Yeah, a lot of people work into this as a way of potentially making money, or actually the majority of people. But this is the same thing as speculating on artwork, right? If you have a neighbor of yours that you saw a few paintings from him, and you notice that he's starting to be kind of famous, and people are coming back to his apartment, and and you like the artwork, and you say, yeah, I'm going to spend $100 buying this painting because I think he's going to make it big. And then he becomes huge and your painting is now worth $100,000, something like that. It's exactly the same exercise. Now, with CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, it was a little bit of an easier proposition that CryptoPunks was indeed the first one through the gates. So the historical value is undisputed in that sense. Like, As for all its shortcomings in in terms of tech and everything, it's the first. It's at least the very first one of that size that introduced all these concepts. So it has that historical value. But NFTs, like I said, can also be attached with utility. And that's where in the long, long term, right now we're in the having fun crazy period where people are just experimenting and things are a little bit nuts. And sure, some people are making a lot of money, some people are losing money, but it's all still speculation and such. When so the utility the moment, in, yeah. So at the moment, do you think we're we're in you know the market might calm down in terms of like could that bubble burst in terms of the the value of just the art? element and then once utility starts to get applied to it it will then be more realistic and like it will all then settle down do you think that's what might be the case i think i think in the long term that's exactly what's going to happen is right now the perceived artwork popularity hype is the things that people it's the only value really for the vast majority of projects so that's what appeals and that's what people are looking for but i think over time less and less of those examples will exist. And then it's going to be about utility. Then it's going to be about uh, Manchester United releasing NFTs that gives VIP you know, tickets for particular games to whoever holds the NFT. Yeah. Uh, those, those kinds of things will be, will be the norm. If, if NFTs are, you know, if you need cryptocurrency to buy an NFT, does that mean the whole idea of crypto of um, NFTs taking off uh, re- relies on the fact that cryptocurrency is going to take off and become like everything and worldwide? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but uh, you don't in cryptocurrency. So right now, cryptocurrency for the vast majority of cases is necessary to buy NFTs, but pretty soon you're going to have services, if not existing already, where you will be able to buy NFTs using credit cards and using bank accounts and regular currencies oh, wow. and have them. And then they will probably, actually those services already exist. And uh, those websites will be the custodian of your NFT and there's going to be a collection you know, in your profile. They'll give you the ability to withdraw that NFT into your wallet like you would for regular cryptocurrency. And then it's the same as everything else. Like it just, it's, it stays with you and you have perfect control over it. But NFTs, so cryptocurrency technology, the blockchain technology is what allows NFTs to exist. 
but it doesn't mean that you need cryptocurrency per se, like Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever, to buy NFTs. Like you don't need them right now for a lot of NFTs, but obviously you need a lot more than this. But in the near future, like certainly within five years, it's going to be something accessible to the vast majority of people because uh, of that utility aspect, right? Yeah. yeah. And on that, on that, in terms of on the blockchains and then the currency. So we were saying earlier about CryptoPunks being on Ethereum and a majority mm-hmm. being based on Ethereum. So are there other NFT collections and projects that rely on different currencies or tokens such as Solano for or sure, yeah, Cardano? Yeah, for sure. so, so you would then need to either trade your Ethereum for that currency to then make it useful on that blockchain? Correct. So you have a lot of different, again, sites and platforms you can use where you can convert your Ethereum to uh, BNB, which is a Binance coin or Cardano or Solana or whatever you want. And those platforms, Solana in particular, is recently become very, very popular with NFTs because of also the transaction costs and a lot of the structure of the contracts. Uh, So you can convert your Ethereum into Solana and buy an item from one of the collections that exists in Solana. And there's also some NFTs on the Binance chain. You can do the same on like Yummy released the NFTs. We did it in the Binance chain. And you can easily do that as well. You can essentially work on any of those individual chains. Ethereum is where a lot of the development work is being done because the Ethereum Foundation and because they were the original a currency with they have what's called smart contracts, which mm-hmm. is essentially the ability to code decentralized. And they were the first ones, and that's why they're the most popular, and they will continue to be so for the foreseeable future. But the transaction fees are insane to the point that you know people spend $50, $60 to transfer the NFT or to do anything on it, while other networks have a much, much lower cost. And the reason for that is because Ethereum relies on the proof of work. Something like Bitcoin, not going to get into details about it. And other chains use different technologies that are much less costly. So the transaction fee is much lower. Okay. I think I'd definitely I'd be remiss not to ask you, I guess. Um, have you got any tips for our listeners who might be interested in cryptocurrency or, or even NFT investment? You know, one or the other? Like, what should <laughs> so we be I getting into? Say... Is there anything you want to be looking at? I would say that not financial advice in any shape or form, but if you just want to have a taste of the field and nothing else, I think that Bitcoin will have its place in history forever. I think it's going to be a good heirloom for your kids and your grandkids okay. Yeah, okay. in a sense. I oh, think wow. it will be saying that granddaddy and our grandfather had a full Bitcoin is going to be a wow in like 20 or 30 years to their friends. I think uh, you can't go wrong with Ethereum as well. And I'm also a huge supporter of the Binance token because Binance, largest decentralized exchange in the world, uh, CZ, Champing Zhao, which is a really nice guy, is at the forefront and he's a consummated businessman, etc. I think they're going to be huge as well. And in some ways, the Amazon of crypto. But I do think Ethereum as well, excellent. And probably stick with those if you're a true beginner is stick with the things that you keep hearing about and stay away. And this is where it's complicated is that people will tend to gravitate towards things that are like at the edge, very loose. 
And it's it's like the dot-com back in the 90s, right? There were a lot of companies okay. worth hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. that never made a single dollar in revenue, that never made a single profit to anybody. And yet their valuations were insane because they promised a lot. They did a lot of different things, you know, and 99% of them never amounted to anything. So I think that while you can hear a lot of stories about people who made a lot of money with this and there are plenty, plenty of people who have also understand that there's a lot of people who lost a lot of money with, with cryptocurrency and with speculation and cryptocurrency, because it's all digital, the market never sleeps. It's 24 seven. There's no holidays. There's no anything. Things can change on the dime. It's just something that the volatility is inherent to the field because it's so nascent. Yeah. Plus the vast majority of people buying cryptocurrencies in the early twenties or late 20s, maybe like, you know, definitely a lot of people between 20 and 30 years old. And those characters are not exactly known for like risk aversion. And, you know, it's people <laughs> yeah. who are, uh, you know, at with all yeah. the confidence of 20 year olds. And yes, so yeah. the market can go crazy to, to say the least. Right. So, but I do think that over time, as it did before with other things before it, uh, things will mature, markets will establish themselves. Uh, classic market forces that exist in the stock market and bonds and real estate and others will start making themselves already are starting to make themselves known into crypto. And you'll see a lot of asset classes starting to exist in, in crypto. And you'll start seeing a lot of NFTs applications for things like, you know, mortgages or loans or credit history uh, or even individual, like for example, uh, on the philosophical side, a lot of people argue that NFTs is the key to what's called, you know, decentralized democracies, which is a very interesting notion and one that's gaining a lot of traction because of today's political environment, I guess, where people are losing a little bit confidence in central governments or they're losing confidence in parties in general. And this provides an avenue of you essentially voting or giving your vote to people okay. you, you trust in your yeah. family. So for example, a quick example would be, let's say the three of us, right? Let's say we're like really good friends. We hang out all the time, but both me and Liam don't care about politics, but you all of us, you're all about politics. Like politics is your thing. Like that's yeah. all you care about. So what we can say is, you know what? I don't care about politics, but I think Oliver is a great guy and I trust him with my vote. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sign the transaction on the blockchain that says, Oliver Wright has Joe's foot vote for all elections, presidential to whatever, local, state. And Liam does the same. Now, Oliver, wow. you control three votes. Yeah, okay. So when you vote, so when you vote, you're actually voting with a force of three people. Now, yeah. let's assume that you're really a guy who's out there, very popular and everything. Maybe you actually have 600 votes, Right. And then someone else has 180, someone else has seven, someone else has five, someone else has one. All of a sudden, you don't have 300 or 400 representatives of a government. You actually have this distributed map of people with the occasional spike of influence. Now, of course, some people argue that uh, a lot of people would simply give their vote to Kim Kardashian. So Kim Kardashian would vote <laughs> yeah. with the force of 10 million people. <laughs> yes. And yeah. maybe that is something we want to prevent. Nothing against Kim Kardashian. You know, she's doing really well. But that's all part of how this system could look like 
you know, and NFTs are the key for that because NFTs identify a unique signature that cannot be replicated, identify a unique component that represents, um, you know, one of billions or, you know, wow. in this case, population of the earth. Right? What, a, uh, what an interesting concept. That wasn't one that even crossed our minds in terms of a utility and, and usage of it in the future. That's that's incredible to hear. It'd be, it'd be really good as well, Joe, if you could just tell us a little bit more about Yummy and just about your, your whole ecosystem and what it is that you're trying to achieve. Sure, absolutely. So Yummy is, for me, so I'm not the original founder of Yummy. What happened was... Uh, I invested in the project around May, just before the project, before the market started turning, and then offered my service to the team that existed at the time. Uh, as it seemed, you know, they were promptly accepted. They said, yes, let's try to make this work. And eventually, the original team essentially abandoned the project and stopped making, you know, started making themselves skits, which is something that unfortunately happens quite a bit with different projects. So then what I did was I went to the community, which in Telegram is more than 20,000 strong. We have a lot of people on Telegram. We have about uh, 45,000 Twitter followers, 18,000 on Discord, 15,000 on Reddit. So it's a pretty big community. It's about 100,000 across all, all platforms. And I suggested saying, look, I can fork the contract. And forking means, you know, you essentially take a snapshot, a picture of the token at a state in time, and then you create a new contract, a new token, essentially, and you can ask people to migrate with you. You can ask people to join you in this new token. And 80 something percent of people did, or with the tokens, and then we created, and now it's Yummy V2 basically, and I'm the owner of that project. Okay. And this is to say that, like, you know, we started in around September 18, and Yummy is essentially exploring some of the original concepts from blockchain, particularly what's called staking contracts, in which we put the tokens in these instruments that generate quite a bit of passive returns. And the reason why these contracts exist, and they're so generous, like you can get 20 to 30% yields with pretty limited exposure and risk, you can easily, easily get 10 to 11% with virtually zero risk, at least the only risk would be regulatory. And in essence, we utilize these contracts in the same way that the fund would utilize you know, investments in the stock market as such to generate returns, which then we utilize to buy the token at market prices and essentially reduce the supply of the token in some way that the company would do share buybacks or something of the sort. And... We have what's called the growth fund, which is kind of the heart of this whole thing that has 1.2 million in it. And the growth fund generates a daily yield of about $1,500, $2,000, somewhere around there, which is then utilized to buy the token. Now, we're expanding other things in the ecosystem. We're introducing something called the Yummy Academy, which is if you hold Yummy NFTs, you can attend these lessons for free and learn about blockchain. I'm coming up okay. with the first couple of videos about it. They go a little bit more in-depth in the actual technical details of how blockchain works. Uh, we're also introducing like our own type of like stable coin. Stable coin basically means it doesn't change in price. It stays pegged at a single value. You can peg it to a dollar. You can peg it to a euro or something that has its own range of applications that are too much to discuss in, in just one session. Yes. And in essence, all of this will start 
playing together. Then the objective is to provide you know good returns for the holders, like in the sense of the supply of the token is contracting, which means people's ownership of the assets of the project are increasing over time. And that translates into token appreciation, which then feeds into the whole ecosystem. And the reason why we're doing this is because blockchain right now offers a lot of possibilities. And while people are focusing on the possibilities that are what they call the moonshots, right? Where you go for broke, if you make it big, you can become a millionaire overnight. The reality is there's a lot of other opportunities that exist in the lower risk segment that blow anything in the real world quotes out of the water. And the reason why it's because in the blockchain, there's no middleman. In the blockchain, there's no entity siphoning the middle aspect of this. Like for example, when you go to a bank, if you get a mortgage, you know, you're paying 4%, 5% interest, whatever. Yet, if you put your money in the savings account, you only get 0.5% or 0.2% because the bank is absorbing that difference. In the term of blockchain, there's no middleman. It's all by an algorithm. So there is no absorbing of that. So you're capturing all these efficiencies. And not only that, the blockchain does the same job that the bank would for that particular example in a fully automated, non-human way. So there's even less costs than the bank would have. So these financial instruments that exist, widely profitable, and can be interacted with with a limited risk are very appealing. And I am pretty sure that sooner or later, mainstream financial institutions, if they haven't already, they're going to start jumping into these as well because it's just a better system. It's just, and the reason why crypto is so controversial, it's because a lot of gatekeepers see the writing on the wall. They understand what's happening here. Okay. And they understand that they have to adapt. Yeah. Or and that significant change is coming. But to answer the original question, if you want to get involved in crypto and you know nothing about it, I think giving mm-hmm. one Bitcoin to your grandkid is going to be the ultimate grandfather's flex. Like your kid <laughs> will, your kid will talk, will talk, will talk about you, or your grandkid will talk about you in his school, uh, and, and you will become somewhat of a hero. And just a, a, a final question from from me, Joe, would be just out of interest with you being in and around the NFT space and crypto space for quite a while. Were you able to jump on any of the early NFT um, collections? Do you have a crypto punk? Say again? Do you have a crypto punk? No, no, no. I I do have a a relative of mine who, uh, a cousin of mine who did buy three of them at the time, like in the early stages of it and managed to make, but he flipped them with some, like, I don't think he has, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any of them anymore. I do think he might have a couple of bullet apes, but definitely not the punks. But again, you know, the people that sometimes end up making the most money in these things are people who do something and then they forget about it. Yeah. And then five years yeah. after the fact, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there's someone over there who bought or found a way of minting a crypto punk and has them in the wallet. And we'll go, oh, yeah, remember I had the wallet checking and then realizes he's just a multimillionaire. I mean, there's been Jenny, a lot that, of stories. Of that. that could have been you, couldn't you, if you'd forgotten all about your Bitcoin Oh, purchase, 100%, 100%. And then realized <laughs> last year when it was 60 grand. Uh... <laughs> if I had in grad school, 
if I had in grad school simply kept the wallet and not checking, I would have now what I had 102 bitcoins at this stage, and then I would be in this. But you know, life has been good otherwise, and I can't really complain. There's oh, been course. many other many of other course. opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna granddad flex. I'm gonna try and get a crypto punk. I reckon that'd be a bigger granddad flex if I've got a twenty. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you can get if you can get a crypto punk, <laughs> and I do believe, yeah. There's been some people in the crypto punk space who have made a lot of money with it and will continue probably to do so. And the, the only thing I would say to people is that I know that a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense. And I know that the value proposition is something that is a little bit crazy right now. And I even do agree that I think we might be in the bubble in a lot of ways, simply because of the novelty. But in essence, that's what's happening here is the collectible value of some of these things is real. It, it might not be 20 million, but it's certainly not zero. Yeah. Now, what the yeah. real price is, that's up to the market to find out. Amazing. Same as, same as you know, when we used to collect Pokemon cards or football stickers, you know, oh. they had a value because we, we had them. And, uh, you know, well, I, I, was huge, uh, that, I was a huge, uh, not necessarily very good, but I was a huge Magic the Gathering player. And I still have a lot of the Magic the Gathering cards. Yeah. And uh, the value of some of those in recent times has gotten absolute nuts. You know, the Black Lotus, which is mm-hmm. arguably one of the best cards in the, you know, the, the most expensive one. You could buy them for five, $600 some uh, eight, nine years ago. They're now going for 50000 40000 So it does, it's the same thing. The only difference is that one has a physical representation. Oh, and that actually leads to a very final important point about NFTs. Unlike collectible cards, they take no physical space. They will always be mint. They never will degrade. And if you keep good track of your, of your key, you're never going to lose an individual card or anything. So the custodian aspect of this is also much improved by being a digital asset instead of a physical asset. Oh, there was one thing that, that Liam mentioned when we covered NFTs was that, so the ownership is stored on the blockchain, but is it Correct. right in saying that the the JPEG or the the MP3 or what, MP4, whatever it might be, that isn't stored on the blockchain because it's too big a file? Well, yeah, usually what the blockchain will store is a link to the image uh, there's a property on the blockchain that will be essentially a string, you know, like letters, and that string will be an address of the website, and it will point to a particular yeah. image. And that's how you know, okay, this is the image that is associated with this with this guy. But the link itself and the aspects that describe uh, the NFT can be stored on the blockchain. Now, of course, people are still debating how much should be stored versus you know, how much should go into the contract versus outside because the more you put in the contract, the more expensive it will be to generate the transaction for it, all those things. But that's all part of the, I mean, this is like, you know, the day just got started and it's five minutes after midnight. I mean, we're still figuring all this stuff out. Like people are pouring themselves into this and who knows what, if anybody tells you that they know exactly what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years with NFTs, they, they have simply not being honest because it's the same thing. Someone asking you in 1997 or something, what the internet would look like in 2010. Yeah. And you would never have thought on something to the same level of Google or YouTube or Facebook. I mean, you just wouldn't come up with those, with those ideas, at least not to the level that they exist. It's the same thing here. Yeah, absolutely. 
I reckon, Joe, we then probably need to reconvene with you in about five years' time and have a uh, run of this, see how yeah. things go with Yummy, seeing if we've if we've created an NFT and we have people randomly popping up on our podcast and that's their token to be able to uh, to join us and just to see what the lie of the land is in a few years' time. It's been absolutely brilliant speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time and, um, yeah, simplifying what can be a super complicated topic. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we look forward to listening to more of you guys' podcasts. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. And uh, yeah, if you ever uh, create those NFTs and you guys have uh, 20 million listeners in 10 years or something like that, just remember <laughs> your old pal Joe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Cheers, Jack. <laughs> take care, guys. Have a good one. Liam, how good was that talking with Joe? I, I don't know if that's made me more confused or less confused, but yeah, really interesting. Just some of those other applications. I, I like the fact that I, I thought it was really interesting when I asked him about needing cryptocurrency to buy NFTs and how the future looks like actually it's going to bypass the need for cryptocurrency and that you'll just be able to buy them with with a credit card, but that they're secure because they're on the blockchain. You know, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some of the the uses and utilities that Joe mentioned for the future, especially that politics one, that is, yeah, that that sort of starts to make your your brain bend a little bit trying to think about how then that could then be deployed and used. But you can see how it could be as as we we then learned when we did even just the cryptocurrency episode about people being disillusioned with central institutions. And obviously voting's a big yeah. part of that. You can see how there then could become a use for it. Yeah, yeah super he interesting. Said about, he said about companies selling essentially tickets as an NFT yeah. and that, yeah. you know, essentially what they're selling you is, is just a really secure ticket that is only yours to be this VIP or whatever. You know, you can imagine doing it nowadays as an actual, you know, you get a ticket in the post, but as an NFT or something, it's crazy. Yeah, loads of applications. Yeah, incredible. It was so good to speak with Joe. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of blown mine and Liam's mind a little bit, I think, as you can probably tell. We hope that people listening have enjoyed that as much as we have. If you've got any questions that for us or you want us to pose to Joe, please let us know. Um, yeah, Joe said to us he's more than happy to to answer them for us. And hopefully we'll, we'll reconvene with Joe in five years' time and just see how yummy they're getting on as well with their project. If anybody wants to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, it's really simple. It's just at two guys, one topic. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back with you next week for another episode. Get out there and share some NFT knowledge. Mm-hmm.